0: Hey everyone, you're listening to Ankur Variku on Voice with Variku. On this podcast, I talk to you about entrepreneurship, how to grow in life, manage personal finances, handle failures, and a lot more things that just come to my mind. The episode begins. In this podcast episode, I wanted to take you through a very interesting journey that happened with me in my first job, first ever job in my life, and a very valuable lesson that I learned from that. So this was my first ever job in life. I would just come back from the US and this was after dropping out of my PhD. And I was struggling, but the most important thing that I knew I had to chase was to look for a job because I really, really needed to earn money. We come from a very humble background, never had enough money, had zero savings, hand-to-mouth existence. My dad had just started his own business three years back for the first time in his life. And he, (laughs) he sucked at it. So that business went into a lot of losses, so we had piled up a lot of debt. Basically, it was a financially very difficult situation. And thankfully, a dear friend referred me to a job at her current company, and I sat through a series of interviews, I made it to the final round, and that's where I was asked, much to my surprise, what my salary expectations were. And I've never worked before in my life. I I didn't even know if this was an allowed question. Like, I didn't even know whether this was an appropriate question because how does it matter what my expectations are? You have a budget, right? So just give me that because I'm starting from zero. (laughs) Anyway, so the role did come to me because I I think I just said that if you have a budget, I'll just work with that. Because in my mind, anything that gave me about 10,000 rupees a month was just great. Because at that point of time, that was my entire value in my head. And now I was earning 15,000 rupees a month, which was frankly more money than I ever thought I would make. And I was to join this uh, R&D team, the research and development team for a corporate training company. So what the role was, we we used to get a mandate from a client and that was around a training need. So let's say I want to go through soft skills training for my executives, something like that. And we would have to then research about it extensively and then develop the training curriculum that would then be imparted through our trainers to the client. And it was a lot of fun. First job, lots of research, lots of writing, smart people around me, money. So life was really good the first two or three months. And then came this big thing. One of India's biggest FMCG companies, I wouldn't name who it was, They wanted us to design a sales training program. And this sales training program would be for their field staff. So these would be individuals who most likely did not even have a college degree. And and their job was to go from shop to shop to shop and make sure that the shopkeepers were ordering the products of the company. This is a fundamental way an FMCG company works. So this is called the on-ground or the field sales team. And our job was to design a sales training program for that. I was given this project and I had no idea where to even begin. Forget everything else. I was was surprised that the team of the largest FMCG company even required training because shouldn't they be the ones training others? (laughs) I mean, what do they know that we can tell them or that I can tell them about sales? So I was quite nervous and when I'm nervous, I do the thing that I always do and it works for me, which is just go from first principles. So the next week, I just spent trying to get the answer and I went on something called beats. Beats are the sales trips that these guys used to undertake during a day. So they had this beat map where they would go from this shop, to this shop, this shop, this shop, and it was kind of known. And I just observed them. I observed their mannerisms, their conduct, their selling skills, their morale, what they tracked, what they didn't track, how they recorded things, so on and so forth. And I did this in, in Delhi, in Meerut, in Agra, in Ahmedabad. And oh my God, I was so surprised. Some of them were so good, so good. Like it was natural for them to sell and some of them sucked they were visibly really, really bad. And that is when I understood the need for the sales training. It was basically to elevate the average, to make the not so good, learn from the good, and even a small difference per person would add up to a really big difference for the company, right? And the training programs that we used to design until then were like very boring PPTs with some exercises, some role plays and all that. And... Like, it's no different from what you would have gone through. And I'm sure some of you have gone through training programs in the corporate setup. They're they're really boring. And I was certain that this crowd particularly would hate it. Like, imagine not even going to college, spending your entire day moving from shop to shop to shop, selling purely on relationships. And now you're made to sit through these boring PPTs with (laughs) font 14 text on it. And I love movies. I don't know if I've told you this before about me, but I love movies. Not every movie. I like the good ones, but I love the idea of a movie. I love the fact that a story can be summarized in one to three hours and it leaves you with so many emotions. So what I decided to do was to create a movie. And the movie was a day in the life of Ramesh. And Ramesh was my hero. He was my Shah Rukh Khan. He was the best performing sales guy in the company. And I decided to chronicle his, his journey from start to finish. How he got up, how he made a plan for the day, how he kept a record for the sales, how he approached the shopkeepers, how he formed a uh, connect, how he handled objections. Everything that I had learned observing the best folks in my sales trip was part of Ramesh's world. Like Ramesh was flawless. And I wanted to create this movie on Ramesh because I thought if I create this movie on Ramesh, then everyone would resonate with that as against watch a boring PPT with exercises but I didn't know how to create movies. I was not a movie maker. I had a script in mind, but I had no way of executing that. And it's not that I could outsource this fashionably to some movie creator. So I kid you not, I used PowerPoint to make that movie because I knew nothing else. For a week, I worked 16 plus hours every single day creating a movie on PowerPoint using animations. And for those who know how animations work on PowerPoint, you know Exactly what I'm talking about. This was not trivial. It was exhausting, but it was so much fun. And I was convinced it would work. And it did. It was loved by the client. It was loved by the sales team I was trying to help. And I was suddenly a hero. But then something very weird began to happen. I began to get a lot of work, a lot of such work, but also a lot of other work. And back then, I didn't know how to say no. So I just continued saying yes. And I was instantly burdened. I was working crazy hours, clearly not doing a good job of my work either. And was still getting a lot of work. And I could see my peers chilling. I mean, relatively chilling, but chilling. It it almost felt like someone else's work had been taken from them and it was now given to me. And I just couldn't understand it. I thought it was very unfair. We're all paid the same thing. So why should I be working so much harder than somebody else? Was I not not supposed to be the one who was doing quality work? And why was I suddenly made to do this quantity work? So I was super frustrated and I set up a meeting with my manager and I was livid. I was genuinely very, very angry. I couldn't quit because I needed that money. So I had to be very sensitive about it. But I wanted to make sure that she heard my anger and my frustration. And she did. Like while I was blaming everybody, I was venting, she was patiently listening. And once I was done, she took off her glasses and said, Good people pay a far higher price for being good than bad people pay for being bad. Good people pay a far higher price for being good than bad people pay for being bad. And I was like, sorry, what? Like, did you just dump some random motivational garbage on me? (laughs) And she continued. She said, Ankur, the world is selfish. It just wants what it wants. So when it finds people who are good with what they do, the world decides not to risk it any further and begins to give all the work to those good people while taking it away from the bad ones. So if you find yourself overworked, it is because people know that you can do it. They wouldn't trust anybody else except you. So now you have two choices in life. Be good with your work, but because of that, get a lot of work. Or suck at your work and not get any work. What do you want to choose? And that day and today, I've never forgotten her words. So the next time someone comes up and says, I have a new project for you. I have some work for you. And you are already dumped with work. Realize that they're giving it to you because they believe you can do it. Else they would have given it to someone else who they thought could do it. Only responsible people are given more responsibilities. All the best. Thank you for listening to this episode of Voice with Variku. To be notified of upcoming episodes, be sure to subscribe and follow the show on this app right now. Also, don't forget to rate and review the show because that just feels nice. Thank you.